Pastor and the Witch podcast. This is the sixth episode recorded in Muncie, Indiana with my painfully gorgeous, beautiful, smoking hot wife. Oh my gosh. Thank you, Jordan Butler. And you are my amazing, kind, patient, wise husband. Grant. Soft-spoken. You know what, babe? Yeah. Tomorrow, when this podcast comes out, it will be our official one-year anniversary, wedding anniversary. Yes, it will be. One year. Can't believe it's been a year. Yeah. It's been an eventful year. For sure. Good things. Yeah, totally good things. A lot of hot sex. (laughs) Gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, the last few episodes, we... uh, have talked about some pretty heavy stuff and we kind of wanted to do the opposite of that in this episode. I think the last three were kind of last two were revolved, you know, around our experience with sexual abuse and some emotional and mental abuse and kind of coming through that. But that was really to, uh, kind of give you an insight to where, what we were dealing with and kind of how we became who we became So in this episode, we want to talk about, we want to back up a little bit and kind of talk about where we were at as a couple when we really started experiencing a lot of backlash from the church for our, what would be this this interfaith, this bi-faith relationship, I guess you could say. And we have shared a lot of that already, but we'll definitely be talking more about yeah, like with our different beliefs and how the church was viewing us as a couple. Yeah, and I, I think I want to talk, I'll ask you questions, obviously, but I want to talk about uh, how we kind of got to where we are today, but in the sense of experiencing that backlash and our feelings for each other and how we kind of landed. It, it was pretty painful. You know, to be honest with you, because I know it was hurting you, but it was also frustrating to me because you experience uh, this backlash and people that you, you might not have looked up to them, but you had respect for them. And then you started seeing true colors kind of come out. And in that process, it kind of, it shakes the foundation that you've kind of sat on for a, maybe a long while, especially in my case, a long while. And, uh, in that process, it it makes you really step back and some would say deconstruct your own belief and your own positions. Uh, it I don't know if I'd use that word for me, but it de- it de- definitely made me think about a lot of things. Yeah, me too. Like I I'm more comfortable with my path, my spiritual path. I don't say religious, but when that was happening, and even sometimes still today, 
you know, because we'll be out in public and it's not like it's happened a lot, but we've ran into some people, you know, especially when the caffeinery was still open and we'd run into certain people, you know, yeah, and they wouldn't like, it would always bother me because if you were with me, they'd come up to you and say hi and maybe acknowledge me. But then if I'm in there by myself and they see me, they don't even look at me. And they don't acknowledge me. And it's not like they have to, but it's, it's, it's apparent that they're purposely not acknowledging me. And they yeah. know who I am. And that's hurtful, you know, because they're, they're judging me. So. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, one, that's, that's an asshole. And that just shows their colors, not mine. And that's just an issue with them, not me. And I know that, but it's still bullshit. It's like, fuck you, dude, you know. <laughs> well, so. Essentially, we were together. We took a trip to Chicago. You know Chicago, babe? Oh, yeah. It was so much fun. It was the first time I'd ever been. Yeah, which was interesting because I was surprised by that. that you've never been to Chicago. Well, every place that we've gone together has been the first time we've been, or I've been, because I've never really been anywhere before we met. Yeah, we've been to some cool places. Seattle, Portland. I know that before all that like kind of disruption happened with my job, my goal, my plan was, and I, I know you know this, and I even told your mom before you knew, you knew this, but I wanted to take you to Ireland Yeah. and ask you to marry me there. But when you get <laughs> fired from your job, that kind of <laughs> disrupts the financial stability somewhat for a little while, so... You know, going to Europe was kind of out of the question. I still want to go to Europe with you someday. Yeah, I want to go there, and I want to go to Iceland. Yeah, we'll go to Iceland. Europe's cool. It's weird in the sense that, you know, we're just Americans, so wherever we go. If, we're ever, if we'll ever be able to go there. Not now. We can't go to the EU now, for sure. Because the United States... COVID sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... uh wonder if any of the fireworks will pick up on these mics. Yeah. It's I like, was thinking that, so we apologize, but I don't think it'll be too bad because, really, we've not had too much pickup with background noise. I wonder if it's like this everywhere or just like in Muncie. Like at the 4th of July, fireworks start happening a, a month before and continue for like, what, four or five weeks after the 4th of July? Well, and like three weeks before the 4th? Yeah, it's an I was on TikTok, imagine that, yesterday, and I saw this post. It was this man. Um, he has a pretty cool. He has pretty cool content, but he was talking about his dad. Um, and he was crying on his video, but he was talking about his dad. How every year on the Fourth of July, he calls him because he knows he's not going to be talking to his dad. He's going to be talking to a fourteen-year-old boy that fought in Vietnam. Or fifteen-year-old boy that fought in Vietnam. Yeah. Um, because every year on the fourth. His dad is uncomfortable because the sound of the fireworks takes him back to, I never really thought of it like that. Like the sounds of fireworks, it's probably traumatizing to a lot of soldiers, veterans, because it brings back bad memories and it reminds them. Yeah. Uh, My dad, you know, he was in Vietnam and he was a paratrooper, 101st Airborne, but he fired mortars. And uh, I know that it, it... it did bring some discomfort to him for a long while, but 
he also can't hear for shit because of Vietnam, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I had a, a really close friend die on the 4th of July. Who? What happened? Randy Huff. Oh. I with Randy for Randy, six okay. Years. So yeah. he died on the 4th. He died on the 4th, yeah. Um, yeah, he, uh, he had struggles, you know, just, he had congestive heart failure as well, but yeah, Jesse Studebaker and I and Kent, you know, we, we all worked together with Randy and I love Randy. He was a great dude. One he had some pretty, pretty funny stories. Yeah. One of the, the best storytellers you, you would ever come across, but we went to Chicago and I, it's like you, when we were in Seattle and we went up top of the needle i'm not really one for heights so you know i was kind of uneasy and you know like you and Haley and kayla and camp just like having fun and i'm like scared to death but well, i was scared that that was Haley. like went right up to the edge yeah she loved it i i went out to the edge with her but i was shaky like and it has I, that transparent yeah the floor. glass yeah, yeah where you could there. see down Mm-mm. yeah it nah. was fun though and, you know, like, uh, I, but watching you, like, in Chicago and how, like, everything was new, we went on that, remember that walking tour we went on, like, the... Yeah, the ghost tour. The ghost walking That tour, was yeah. so cool. And then I want to, and we learned, went by that hotel, I forget the name of it, that H.H. Holmes. Yeah, he killed somebody in there. Yeah, well, and supposedly it's haunted. Well, yeah. I mean, I believe it because there's so many stories, but there's like that room that's supposed to be the hottest, the most active room. I want to stay in there. I still want us to make book a room or book a night in that room eventually someday. We will. We'll go to Orleans too because they have awesome like ghosts. It's uh, any city really, I think. I don't know if Indianapolis has them, but Chicago... But watching you on that, like that whole trip, uh, I was, I was like, I don't know if you noticed me. I'm always like staring at you. I know you, you noticed that, but like, as we were like walking around and, you know, we were like on the canal and stuff. When we went to the Bean, I was just like watching you walk and like noticing your facial expressions. They were like this very, uh, <laughs> like this pure. Like, uh, almost, like, childlike in the sense of, like, wonderment, but just, like, you were having fun. Because it was just you and me. We had no kids with us. Yeah, and it was our first, like, getaway together. It really was so much fun. I'd never been anywhere like it. And, by the way, the bean looks like a giant clitoris. (laughs) That's the first thing I thought of when I saw it. I was like, it looks like a giant clitoris. It was neat, though. I mean, I don't know, like, what is the big deal? I mean, it's cool and all, and you go under it, and you can, like, see from all different angles and reflections, but what's the big deal about that? I'm not for sure to tell you the truth. Hmm. I, I don't know much of the Because we walked up, and I was like, that. that's the famous bean. Yeah. I was more <laughs> like, just, there's too many people. Yeah, there's it was very crowded. Gotta get the hell out of But, like, I love, like, because, you know, we stayed in, like, a really cool hotel, yeah. And we were there for like two nights, right? Yeah, I remember the first night we like went we back got lost? and lost. That was the second night. Oh, that was the second. No, that might have been the first night. But I was just saying when we got back to our hotel, we crashed. We oh, were just yeah. so tired. Like we just like went and just yeah. fell asleep. Yeah, but yeah, we did get lost because we went to like a little store to get 
I got a slushy or something or an icy. You got Jim Beam. What? Yeah, you got Jim Beam. Remember? No. <laughs> yeah, you did. You might have got a slushy too. Huh. Oh, I do remember that. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, we it was got... like a bodega downtown. Yeah. Are you talking about okay? Because I remember we did get lost, like turned around a couple times. Was it when we were in the Uber? And we got out at the Uber, but we didn't get out the wrong at the right place. Yeah. And we walked. We were like four blocks off or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was fun. And it was cold too. It was. Like during that tour. Yeah. yeah. It was windy, and cold. It's weird. I used to love cities when I was younger. Like the idea of going to a city was just like so exciting. And the older I get, the idea of going to a city is like. Pain in the ass. Where are we going to park? No. <laughs> well, we, the hotel we stayed at, what hotel were we at? I don't remember the name of it. Yeah, I can't remember the name of but it. But we were either. literally like catty cornered from those two twin towers. Yeah. Well, they were, their apartments or condos, yeah, but they were like, like circular. Right yeah, but when we went on our, on our tour, remember they talked about those two, yeah. how they were supposedly haunted but a lot of people had committed suicide yeah um and cars had fallen off yeah and i think people may have died while building it too yeah but yeah the weird thing was how so many people had committed suicide and one of the towers was more had more suicides than the other or maybe it was just one specific tower that had suicides and the other one didn't. Yeah, but the one tower was more expensive to rent and the other one was cheaper because there were so many suicides and deaths. Yeah. But yeah. I didn't they say that they built that over some kind of... Yeah, that was the, the thought. Some kind of Indian, cemetery or like burial Like a burial ground. ground yeah. Or there was some kind of curse put on it or would something. You, would you rent on the, the more morbid side? Knowing me, yeah. I mean, I, cause like, I don't, I believe in that stuff, but at the same time, I don't believe in like the power of it. So, but at the same time, I don't want to like rock any boats. You right. Know? Yeah. Oh, I'm so, totally into that stuff. I'm not like superstitious, but I am fearful, mm -hmm. you know, but also if you're broke and it's like 300 bucks cheaper, especially in Chicago. Oh yeah. I see myself being like, well, and then it was, I'll real just put up more crosses. We'll be <laughs> all right. Well, me, I'd have, I'd like, let's go get a Ouija board. Let's like do a seance and see what happens. Light some candles and incense. Um, but yeah, that was pretty cool. Like on that tour too, like when they talked about the canal and the fire, um, that the boat, um, what was it? Oh, yeah. the, that boat, it like caught fire. Caught fire. Like in the, the it was like in the twenties. Yeah. And they had those huge dresses on. So yeah. like. And a lot like of them, seventy some people drown. Something like that, yeah. but yeah, those women would drown because their dresses were because it was like, and they wouldn't take fucking off their... rich people. Like it was like a a ball. Yeah, and this boat caught fire, and everyone was jumping off, and but um, they refused to take off their dresses because at that time, like even to show your ankle was like. You know, an offense. An offense, like, yeah. Yeah. So. But yeah, their dresses were so huge, like, and so heavy, like, when they got in the water, they just sunk. And I'm just they'd like, They'd rather Ooh. die than go against social norms. Or they just didn't think about it. They probably didn't realize, like, I don't know. Well, I remember that that guide was saying, like, how they would Oh, so they just dresses. took yeah. that chance and yeah. was like, well, I'll just, I'll just go down with my dress. Yeah, go down with my dress. Forget that. <laughs> 
taken off this dress. Yeah. But it was interesting because during all that time, even like right now, we're talking and like we're having fun like we always do. Like our house is a house of like, it's always loud because we have kids and we're always playing music and things like that. But it's a house that you can come into and it's it's an easy place to be. You know, like there's no, what's the word I'm thinking, babe? There's no like uh, tension here. No. You'll house. come into our house and feel at home. Yeah. And like our house is, and that's like a house that I would say is like surrounded by love. Definitely. Know? acceptance obviously but that's the struggle that we had because there was this side and it was my full-time job and it was these people that always talk about love and grace and and acceptance but not in the acceptance that you and I see but the acceptance it's conditional acceptance as long as you believe in what we believe and and, you know, for many years, I, you know, even to this day, I don't like arguing and debating with people to, I'm not a right fighter, and I get annoyed by a lot of that. I get annoyed by call-out culture. I get annoyed by a lot of that stuff. But in the church, I I never really talked about things because I would have people come up to me and say, well, we know what you believe, and they knew I was for, like, same-sex marriage, Right. But I would never come out and say that because I wanted them to struggle with that stance in the sense of, you know, if I come out and say I'm for same-sex marriage and they automatically discredit me. And I wanted them to be uncomfortable so they had to come to a reason for why they're against it. And same-sex marriage was just one small topic. There's many other topics. Did anyone, while you were there... Um, especially the last, you know, few years, did any, like, gay people go there? Or if they were, were they open about being gay? The last few years I was there, there was uh, one guy who was a homosexual, and, but the first several years when I was there, when, when Guy was the lead pastor, there were several homosexual couples. Yeah. Because that's the thing, like, I mean, because they're against it, so so I just was curious. Yeah, as it changed, you know, uh, in the sense of it used to be a place of acceptance, and you would still have pockets of people that would totally, they were totally on the right side of the spectrum, people on the left side of the spectrum, and you had people that could still fit in because there were so many people. But as it changed, and especially the last, like, five years, any kind of, I mean, I was the kind of person that would be in a church and the people would come up and be like, this is our pastor. And like people would want to, can I take a picture of you? And I'd be like, and you know me, I don't like pictures, right? Like I don't like people taking my picture. And so I'd be like, yeah, but like why? And I'm like, well, I got to show this like to so-and-so to like see that this is what kind of church we are. And I'm like, this is not what kind of church we are, do you? Like I'm ostracized because of the How way. How you look. Yeah. Like, I was the only one, but the fact that I was there made them feel like they had culture in their church, even though I was just some white jackass dude, you know, like brown hair and a brown beard. You know, like, we're not cultured, dude. I come from a cornfield like you. That was so funny what my mom said yesterday when they were over for dinner or for lunch. Um, 
how when I told her about you and how we were going to meet and stuff, and she said, I didn't know this. I knew she looked at your profile, but I didn't know this until yesterday because she told your mom, but how she saw your profile picture and saw your long hair and your beard and your tattoos, and which it's not like you had anything bad on your profile or on your Facebook, but she's just like, oh, my God. A little bit of technical difficulty there. I wonder if it picked up that delay. Okay, sorry about that. We were having some technical difficulties, but I don't even remember what no, I was saying. you were talking about your mom looking at my Facebook oh, profile. Yeah. Okay, yeah, she was talking about how she was looking at your profile, and she was just like, oh, my God, who is this guy? And then I remember, what was it your mom said? She's like, who is this druggie or something? Like to who? She was just joking to oh, your mom, yeah. to my mom. Like, yeah, like that's probably what my mom was thinking because yeah. of how you looked. Like, oh my god, who is this druggie? But your mom was drinking. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that was funny how she was like worried just because of. She goes, I admit I was judging, but I didn't have a very good track record either. So for understandable reasons, she but was worried. We all drug. We all drug. We all judge. You know, that's okay. <laughs> But that was the hard thing that, you know, we had this, like, this great thing. And a lot of people in the church, they were, there's this verse in Second Corinthians. And Paul says that uh, we, people in the church, I'm going to paraphrase this, essentially. But shouldn't be yoked with unbelievers. So yoked is this, uh, basically, an agricultural term. Where you have two animals mainly oxen that have this bar and you have a leading oxen and a weaker one. You could do it with any animals, but that bar is the yoke and one will take more of a lead than the other because it's strong. So, uh, you know, I struggled with that because Paul also says, you know, speaking of, speaking to it in a Jewish context to Jewish Christians that, you know, everything I can do is permittable, but it's not beneficial regarding dietary laws that the Jews adhered to. But then you have Jesus say that, you know, two people will come together in marriage and become one. So I do think there is there are errors in the Bible. I don't think the Bible is inerrant. And that right there makes me a heretic to a lot of people. Uh, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being called a heretic. It doesn't bother me. But my biggest issue was that we had something that we were experiencing and I don't think we were doing anything wrong per se, right? But the biggest issue I had was that they were totally judging you, okay? Mm -hmm. They were judging us and they were judging me before you even came into the picture, but they were using you as this like catalyst in that. But the biggest issue I had was out of all those people that judged you, not one of them, not one, ever reached out to say, hey, like, let's just, like, go hang out, like, to you. Let's go hang out. Let's get to know you. Like, your grant's, you know, at that time, just dating. Like, your grant's girlfriend. Like, let's go hang out. Like, mm -hmm. let yeah. me see what you're about. What they did was they just creeped on your social media pages, totally judged you. And then use that against me rather than just coming to me and saying, hey, I don't think you fit in here anymore. And I'd say, I, I think I, 
totally right, you know? But what they did was they discredited me and everything I did and a lot of other shit, you know? Like, we told a story that on an episode that we didn't release yet. I don't think we're going to release that episode because it went so long. But the story, you know, about Flint and where I had to, you know, there was a picture posted on Facebook on Father's Day. Well, I know we didn't release an episode, but was that that episode? That was that episode. Okay. It was, go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, you're fine. I was just, yeah, I thought we did talk about it, but um, yeah, it was Father's Day the first year that we were together. It was that Father's Day, and I had posted a picture of Flynn sitting on your couch eating a big bucket of cheese balls, (laughs) and I just said, Happy Father's Day. You're an amazing daddy to Flynn and Mac. And when they saw that post and they turned it into that, to you and I had an affair while you were with Tisha and Flynn was a product of that. Yeah. And what was crazy was the lead pastor didn't actually say that. Somebody else did, but he allowed that to perpetuate and use that against me. Called the district down from Chicago and I got called in this meeting and it was like just a punching bag. And I was just like, and I even said, it's like, this is a fucking joke. Like, this is all you got. Like, this is bullshit. But the hard part of that was that people I love, and, you know, obviously Flynn didn't understand, but people that I love were were really hurt by that. Obviously you, I was, but I was more angry. But then I had to sit Michaela down and say, look, this is what they're saying, because you're going to hear this. They're saying that I had an affair. I was still married to your mom, and she was still alive. And Michaela was crying, but she also she was like, "That's fucking bullshit, Dad." And I'm like, yeah, you're right, that is. But to me, it was just like the the examples and the principles. I I, I hate hearing the phrase integrity in Christ because, like, to me, I'm just like, "Where's the knife? It's coming out." It's like when a business person is like, "Oh, I'm a Christian business owner." I'm like, "Get ready to get screwed, man!" Like. <laughs> And in, in maybe that's some of my biases because of my experiences. But that, it was just like, here you are. You're proclaiming love and acceptance and grace and all this. But to and doing f- the exact opposite. To fit your agenda. And the agenda was to get me out, which I should have been out. Because, you know, I no longer, it wasn't me, you know. But the way they did it was totally wrong and not Christian-like. And I, you're right. And I know a ton of people have had experiences like this. Definitely. It happens a lot and it happens too much. And I honestly believe that that's why a lot of people hate the church. I I think you're right. I mean, the church has a long, well-documented history of just killing and name it, claim it, and just... And that's why a lot of people hate Jesus, too, because they, they think of the church and then they they think of Jesus with the church you know absolutely so they yeah. think you know but like me with our beliefs it's not that i don't believe in jesus because i do believe in jesus i believe he existed and he was you know he was here to spread love and the correct way to you know just treat humans the way you would want to be treated like the golden rule applies to all religions like you can look them up they there is a the golden rule is with every religion buddhism you know christianity um islam 
or I mean, Muslim, whatever. Yeah. But it's just worded a little bit differently. Um, but with my belief, I believe, like, I'm super I'm into, like, the subconscious mind and the pineal gland, you know, and I do believe, yeah. like, we all have, well, it even says in the Bible, God is in you already. So I just believe that we already have God within us and we are God already. And we already hold the power. And, but we have lost over centuries, we've lost our connection. And, you know, and I started doing, as you know, like I do my miracle morning. And what I do is I get up early and I, the first thing I do is meditate. And I just do a guided meditation right now and I go for 10 minutes. And then after that, I do affirmations. And basically what I do is I write down what I want to want in my life um, out of myself, basically, like positive things. So like give a couple examples. Um, well, I'll just say a few of them. And what I do is I write them down, and my goal is to repeat these affirmations for a month. And then once I feel like I don't need to say these affirmations, I've, like, acquired them in my life. I'll move on to different ones. But it's I'm a loving, passionate, supportive wife. I am a loving, calm, patient mom. Um, another one is... I am successful and reach my goals because I work hard and stay consistent. I am healthy because I take care of my body and give it the proper nutrition. So I repeat these things like for five minutes out loud and with feeling. And then after I do that, and as I'm doing that, I'm visualizing myself being these things. And then after that, I write in my journal. And I just write just whatever I'm feeling. And then on the opposite page of my journal entry, I write down what I'm grateful for. And that changes, a lot of that's the same, but it changes to every day. And I, I really feel like being grateful is a huge key to like gaining your higher power. Yeah. And, you know, helping you reach a higher frequency, I guess, is to be appreciative and grateful. Um, so you have to try, you have to retrain, like rewire your mind because I'm really big into like your subconscious mind is kind of a blueprint or maybe not a blueprint, but depending on your childhood experiences and just in general, what you go through growing up kind of programs your subconscious mind. So I think that that's why a lot of people, as they get older, you have depression and anxiety and, and of course, drug addiction, which that's a lot more in-depth with your biology and your DNA and all that. But I do believe that that stuff can be changed if yeah. you practice. So I don't know. That's like a whole other episode. But still, I don't know. But that's kind of my belief. Like, I believe... In God, and I believe, but I believe in God is more like source energy or the universe. You know, we're all the same. We're all 
I wouldn't say the same, but we're all connected and made up of very similar. Well, and, and see, like, my belief is, I would say, not drastically different, but very different in a lot of the, the things that you believe in. And we were talking about this earlier before we started recording, but how, like, when I brought up that verse that Paul's talking about being yoked with unbelievers, the idea of being yoked together. Don't share your bodily fluids. No. <laughs> like, you, I, I, I honestly believe that, say, to they take two Christians. The fact that they're two Christians doesn't mean that they're yoked together. I don't know how many times in the church, met, you know, I encountered this yesterday. Two Christians getting a divorce. So the the fact that there's two Christians getting married doesn't mean that they're yoked together. And so the fact that that exists, to me, and like what I said that, you know, the words of, of Jesus saying that, you know, two people coming together, uh, becoming one in marriage, you know, kind of counteracts that. And the fact that you and me can have this conversation, none of us, you and I, we're not mad at each other right now. We're not arguing about our beliefs. You don't look at me and go, whoa, you know, and I don't look at you and go, whoa, you know, you're kind of crazy. And you don't look at me and you're like, well, and so there, and that's how I think we're yoked together because there's this bond and there is this acceptance that we're, we are different in our beliefs. And you know. we are okay with that. And we still... Yeah. You know, and this is a process, too, you know, like life in general. Don't you think? Yeah, definitely. But I think, like, what we have is very rare in a lot of people. I do, too. I mean, not very many people... I mean, there are a lot of people out there, but really not who have what we have. No, I, I fully agree. And I think with the church, though, in that process, like, of everything going on, you know, that kind of came out because most couples in that process would have said, fuck this, you know? Yeah. And I was comfortable and I would say grounded in my faith to where I knew what I believed, and I, but I also knew what I was feeling. Yeah. Well, that's me too. Like I'm not a Christian and I, I've not claimed to be a Christian for a long time and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Like I know that I'm okay. Um, I just truly feel that. And just because someone else believes differently than me, I don't look at them and be like, oh, well, they're not going to go to heaven or whatever, which I'm sure my heaven, well, I already know my heaven is probably different heaven than yours but yeah. I believe that we all go somewhere after we die it's not like it's just over with do I know no do I claim to know no yeah but like you know I don't know I just I'm I just I I guess faith I guess I just have that faith like I just I know I'm a good person I'm I've made mistakes but I know I'm a good person, and I know that I'm just trying my damnedest to just live life and be happy 
and do good things and help other people, you know, and that's really all that fucking matters. We have this, in some areas, a strong difference. It's sharp, you know, and I think we're, before we started recording this podcast, you know, I'm not a titles guy, but if I had to, if somebody made me put a title on what I believe, I guess you could say it was a Christian universalist, uh, more of like the William Barclay train of thought, uh, maybe even Tolstoy, I don't know, but I think this is a good stopping point, because we're at, always want to keep these 25 minutes or so, we're knocking on the door of 40 minutes, so. Yeah, we're going to stop here. Yeah, we'll continue this uh, conversation on the next episode. Yeah, and we're still trying to, um, we've had a couple emails, we're still trying to fix our donation link. I don't know why we're having issues, but we'll get that fixed. Yeah. Uh, We've just been super busy, so trying to get all, we'll just. We do want to thank everybody that's reached out. Um, It's continuing to happen more and more. I know we've said this the last few episodes, but maybe the next episode we will read a mm-hmm. few yeah, and talk about a few. Uh, we've even had people come up to us just in public be like, I've been listening to your podcast. Yeah. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's always cool. I wasn't expecting that at all. So thank you for listening to the Pastor and the Witch podcast. You can email us, uh, email us at thepastorandthewitchpodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on our Facebook page or visit our website at thepastorandthewitch.com. Have a good night. Thank you.